I believe the model we've seen at Centurion and Pumpkin Ridge is not in the best long-term interests of the sport as a whole and is entirely driven by money. Hello and welcome to the latest Open Commute in association with Callaway Golf, the special edition of the Bunkered Podcast, coming to you live all week from the old course St. Andrews. Michael McEwen here. Thank you as ever for tuning in. And I've got a special guest today. Bryce has gone home back to the bright lights of Glasgow and I'm delighted to be joined by a man that will be familiar to those of you who listened to the Masters Commute that we did, funnily enough, at Augusta in April. It is CBS Sports' Kyle Porter on Scottish soil. Kyle, welcome to Scotland. Yes, thank you. We did one of these on uh, on my turf and, and one on yours. So. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's even now. It's We're even. It's been, uh, man, you know, I was telling somebody, it's been... It's been an, like one of my favorite major weeks ever, and the tournament hasn't even started because <laughs> I got here on Sunday and have gotten to play just some amazing golf courses. And um, Scotland's been it's been really cool. It's been really fun, and this this town is really cool. And uh, you know, I told my wife I, I wish she could have been here with me because she would enjoy it as well. It's just been you know you, you hear all these stories about how magical St Andrews is and Scotland is and and all these things and. I can report that, that those are true. You know, like it's it's been everything that I that I thought it could be. You've done a fantastic job for Visit Scotland, the tourism agency. They will be delighted <laughs> with that, I'm quite certain. And we are broadcasting live from the media centre. So right now, I know you're listening to this and it's Thursday morning and the action is underway, which is fantastic, unless anything untoward has happened. But it is late afternoon here, Wednesday, so the background noise you can hear, that is the sound of an excited hubbub. I think, Kyle, is probably the, the right word. don't know if that's the word you use in this state or not. <laughs> but there is a buzz, a, a genuine, legitimate buzz about the place just now, isn't there? Yeah, you know, I, I thought I thought Tiger was really interesting on this. Tiger's not one for hyperbole. Uh, but on Tuesday, he kind of talked about how, you know, listen, like, this is the biggest Open there's ever been. And... He's right, of course, but I didn't expect somebody like him to say that. You know, that's stuff that you and I say, not Tiger Correct. Woods, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that, uh, and and Martin Slumbers, I thought was good on that too. And and you know, some of the backdrop for all this is the live stuff. Yes, right. Is is, um, and I thought Martin Slumbers was was great talking about how. Listen, on Sunday nights, I'm going to hand the Claret Jug to somebody and call them the champion golfer of the year. And that's going to be an extraordinary thing. And it's going to be something that you tell your kids and grandkids about. And I think that's, I mean, I, I, who knows? But I, I think that that is true. And it just feels like there's this like sort of undercurrent of live golf that makes this week feel even more important. Absolutely right. right. Um, we need this week. Yeah. Don't we? And so... That's been, um, that's probably wasn't their intention, but unintentionally <laughs> so. I think they've sort of made the major championships and specifically this one because of its history seem even more important than normal. I totally agree with you. I'm curious to get your take as an American. Did you say this is your first time in St. Andrews for an Open Championship? First time in St. Andrews, first time in Scotland. You are joking me. First time, I've been to England before, but not for, a, for an Open. Uh, I studied abroad in England back okay. in... 2008 so i've never been here for an open championship wow well yeah. we'll come back to that but <laughs> um, you know we get very misty-eyed in scotland and 
rightly so, wrongly so, you can tell us. But when it comes to St Andrews in the Open, there's a, a sense of pride that goes with it, clearly. But I don't know if we sometimes maybe get a little bit jaded as a nation because it's on our doorstep. A bit like I imagine a, a, a resident of Augusta might be a little bit indifferent about Augusta National because they see it every day. They drive down Washington Road every day. Can you give me an idea from an American's point of view of St Andrews, the old course, and its importance to American golf fans? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, that's hard. I, I think all Americans are not unified in how they view the old course. Somebody like me, I, you know, think about, I was talking to somebody about this, to think about golf, uh, Opens being played at St. Andrews when just after our American Civil War, that's a long time yeah. ago. And yeah. I think I think the history, I just actually wrote a piece for CBSSports.com, which is up by the time people are listening to this, but about how I think the passage of time, like time passing by, engenders a lot of emotion out of people. You think about that in your own life or yeah, sure, uh, you sure. think about kind of the example that I used was people will gawk at modern skyscrapers, right? You think about the skyscrapers in like Dubai, but those don't engender dreams like 12th century castles do. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's a, there's a sense of the, the depth of this place that you can't, again, comparing it to live, you can't purchase time. And that's that's what makes St. Andrews and specifically an open championship at St. Andrews, I think, extraordinarily special is that your name's going on the Claret Jug with guys like, you know, the old Tom, young Tom, middle-aged Tom, all the Toms, <laughs> uh, Willie Parr, you know, all these guys. Yep. That, that there, there were 11 opens here before World War One. This Yeah. That's unbelievable. And so I, I just... To me, that is part of what makes um, this week and this tournament uh, as special as it is. Has St. Andrews as a destination, a town, lived up to your expectations? Because you must have had, you've written about golf, you've worked in golf for years. Yeah. You must have built it up in your mind to some degree. Has it exceeded or lived up to expectations in any way? I think it has. You know, the, the, the two things that stand out to me are one, everybody is. Everybody just takes their clubs into restaurants and bars, which is I think is the coolest thing. That would never happen in America. And I just, it, it's a very, I, I called it um, the biggest little town in golf, right? Because you, you you walk down the street and you see Keegan Bradley, you see Jordan Spieth, you see, you work out in the gym next to, you know, like there's just, there's just consequential people in golf everywhere. Now that's not unique to St. Andrews because they're just here for the, for the open championship. But I think St. Andrews as a town is um, it's, you know, I haven't gotten to experience enough of it, but I've loved part of the thing that I've actually loved that I didn't expect is the architecture. Right. So you've got the hotel. I think it's a hotel right beyond this uh, stands on 18. Yep. Uh, Hamilton so, Grand. So you've got the RNA off to the like right behind one, obviously. Then behind eighteen, you've got the the hotel, and just every time I I see that from being on the course, I'm like, man, that is it's so beautiful, you know. And so the architecture has been amazing. Um, just being able to walk around town has been amazing. It, it feels like a, it almost feels like a festival, you know, yeah. like that type of atmosphere. And uh, it's been a ton of fun. Have you got a favorite bar yet? <laughs> well, we've only gone to one. I, I can't even remember what it's called. It's kind of newer. So there's okay, we yeah. haven't been to I saw I think Aikman's is one of the famous ones, like a college bar. Yep. 
haven't been to the Dunvegan yet. It, that place looked like a circus. I did not want to wander <laughs> into there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't even. I honestly don't even remember the one that we went to. But yeah. it was it was actually right down uh, Market Street, and then maybe two streets up from that. Uh, so we were down in that area, and uh, yeah, it's just it, you know the, going to the. You can go to the movie theater, see Top Gun. Like it's just. Have you seen Top Gun? I have not seen it yet. Oh my goodness. I'll tell you what, if there's a weather delay, yeah, we could just go over. Let's go there. Uh, I don't mind seeing it again. That would be fantastic. (laughs) But no, it's, you know, I think college towns in the United States are, uh, there are areas where they have that type of atmosphere, but this one seems more consolidated uh, to where you you just, you can walk up and down the streets and pop into restaurants and bars and hang out. And then you've got the best golf course in the world, like down, down the road. So it's been an extraordinary experience. And as you mentioned at the top, you've played a lot of golf. I'm jealous. <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, I, have. I, I don't know about you, Cal. I, I come to the open to work, but yeah, you, you've, you've managed to blend in business with pleasure, pleasure with business rather. For sure. I, I've tried to keep that from my wife. So hopefully she's not listening to this. But <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Porter. No, she, she knew that uh, she was excited for me just because, you know, a lot of my friends have been able to come over here and play some golf and go to the open. And, and this was something that I hadn't gotten to do yet that I felt like was both a personal desire, but also a professional achievement. 100%. And uh, so, yeah, we got to play with play Kill Spendy. We played North Berwick and we played Crail, uh, and all three of those—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're actually kind of different from each other, but they're all three tremendous. Like we just had the best. I mean, and the thing about it, we were playing Crail last night. We only got 14 holes in because we actually were working. Oh, okay, uh, I'll let you off. <laughs> and you just, the sun setting at like 9:50 at night or 10 o'clock at night, and you, you're just looking around like I can't believe this is. I can't believe this is real. It's some of the best holes you've ever played in your life. And, uh, you know, that's one of 10 courses that are that are like that around here. So it's just, it's, I, I, the other thing that I love, and I made this point in the article that I wrote about the old courses, golf here is so much more accessible than the United States. So the best golf courses here, I can go play. They're accessible to me. They might cost a little bit, but... I can't go play Augusta National. I no. can't go play Wingfoot. You know, I might get a chance to do that one time in my life, but you can't just go out there and do it. And that to me is, and that that's fine. Like those are, you know, obviously private clubs that have, have, have it that way for a reason. But I do enjoy the fact that golf over here is, is public, accessible, affordable, all those things. So I think that's been, something that I've uh, that I've really taken away from this trip. Your playing partner last night, Shane Bacon, who'll be a familiar name and face to a lot of people listening to this. Those 14 holes, was it 14 holes you played? We started the 14th hole. We didn't finish it. So we played 13 holes. He made seven birdies. Seven birdies. I was on his team and uh, I'm, I contributed two, which I think he made birdies on both those holes also. <laughs> so it didn't, I, I was a non-entity. I was a non-factor in the match. So did you have to stop just because of bad light? Was that yeah, the reason? Yeah, it was like 10.45. So it's the course record that never was, For sure. He was going to shoot like a 63. Jeez. Or, or 60. Or 59, as we may be seeing here this week, or not, <laughs> depending on We're how We're not going to see a 59. You sure about no that? No way. No chance. I mean, so everybody has been talking about that, right? That's mm-hmm. been a huge talking point. And just being out on the course, the ground is so hard. And if they if they make the greens fast at all, 
it's just they're going to be so inaccessible. I just I, I don't see how you're going to be able to control your ball enough. You might be able to hit it far, but I just don't see how you're going to control your ball enough to leave it in the right spots and then to be able to get up and down for birdies. I, somebody might shoot a 64, 63, 65, somewhere around there, but 59, I, I just don't see it. There's been too much chatter about it. I feel like it's inevitable now that it won't happen, and I agree with you. I think the firmness of the golf course, even though we got about three and a half minutes of rain earlier, that's not going to be enough to soften it up to the no, degree no. where that score is possible. But look, there's a few more things I want to ask you about, and they'll be coming right up on part two. When we think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about smashing it. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know. But I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think of... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Smoked it. Bombed. See ya. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. The moments, the memories, the chance to be there. Apply now for tickets for the 151st Open, Royal Liverpool 2023. Head over to theopen.com. Ticket ballot closes on Wednesday the 20th of July. Welcome back, part two of today's Open Commute in association with Callaway Golf. I'm joined here in the Media Centre at St Andrews by Kyle Porter of CBS. The big talking point Today, Wednesday, Kyle, has obviously been the RNA's response to Live Golf. Yeah. Now, we're used to Martin Slumber's batting controversy away. He's exceptional at it if he doesn't want to deal with a subject. He's quite good at shutting it down and has been over the years. Today, he decided to take the most controversial, the hottest of hot potatoes, and took it head on. Yeah. What was your feeling about, uh, how did you perceive his response to Live Golf, effectively saying the RNA don't really want anything to do with it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's it's multifaceted, right? Because he's part of the group that uh, is going to decide the OWGR points, which would be a big... I mean, it's, it's, it's so, like... It sounds so silly, but the fact that all of this is going to come down to decimal points and... Yeah. You know, it's something that nobody really understands the formula to, right? Correct. That's what it's going to come down to, which is just a very golf thing to happen. But, um, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought it was interesting because most of the major organizations have kind of deferred until next year, which I think is is uh, probably smart in a lot of ways. You're like, okay, let's see how this plays out a little bit through the rest of 2022, and then you got a, obviously Augusta National up first in 2023 in terms of being the first major. So I think I was a little surprised at how forthright he was with what he said. Not, on, not, not even necessarily because he usually bats away controversy, but more so because you kind of had an out. Yeah, he didn't need to tackle it this year. Right, because all the other major organizations have sort of done the same thing. Yeah which kind of paved the way for, for Martin Slumbers and the RNA to be like, okay, we'll talk about this in 2023. Uh, he tells me that they're a little fired up about it behind the scenes. Uh, I think uh, the RNA is fired up. I think so. Yeah. I mean, otherwise I don't, I don't, I think if they weren't fired up about it, then they wouldn't address it at all. Like yeah. if they just were ambivalent about it or neutral about it, they wouldn't even, they would defer to next year. Right. Correct, just yeah. like the other major organizations have done. So I think I think 
as as forthright as he was, I think he behind the scenes is probably a lot more than that, right? <laughs> yeah, most which is probably true of all the major organizations, but they were willing to say it, which I think, listen, like, you know, we joke about how people don't know the difference between the PGA Tour and the PGA of America, but yeah. these major organizations matter. I mean, they, right. they are the most powerful entities in the sport, and people don't even really know who they are, which is a whole other thing, but... Yeah, I think it sets the stage for the next year of like, and again, who knows how the OWGR thing is going to go. I think eventually there's going to be a lawsuit between yep. Liv and the OWGR. I don't even know what that would look like or how it would play out. But I think that's the real, we've been talking about lawsuits between players and the PGA Tour. I think it's going to be between Liv and the OWGR. Oh, you think so? I think yeah. that's the big like kind of legal thing to look out for. Uh, but I think it, sets, it, it kind of is a tell about how the OWGR thing is going to go and, and whether whether legally those organizations can vote against OWGR points and keep live out of that sort of ecosystem. I don't know. But I, I do think that I don't have any inside information, but I do think that's probably the direction that they're going to try to go in. Yeah, it seems like it. One thing I thought that was quite interesting was when Martin Slumbers today sort of dismissed live on the grounds that it is... As, as he's put, driven entirely by money. Yeah. But the the subplot to that is that the RNA has increased prize money this year by 22%. It's yeah. up 60% since 2016. I, so it's yeah. a strange one, that, for me, because it seems, I'm not going to say hypocritical, but there, you can't say something's all about the money and have a negative when you're talking up the positive of giving these rich players even more <laughs> money. It's true. I think... You could argue if you're the RNA, well, Augusta National increased their prize, US Open increased their prize. You know, all these, we're not following Liv, we're following the other majors, right? Mm -hmm. You could sort of look at, at it that way. And I think, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think an interesting debate is, you know, how much revenue does the RNA generate for an open championship week? It's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would say a smaller percentage. I would say they could increase prize money a lot more and still be thriving, mm -hmm. right? I think all the majors probably could. Yeah. I mean, you look at how much money like the USGA has generated, the PGA of America, all these major organizations, and I think all of them potentially could give a lot more money, but they don't really need to. Are you, you going to not show up at the Open because the because That's the purse the point. is twelve million dollars? Or exactly. It, I mean, all the best players are still going to show up because. It's the open. Correct. Right. And do you know what I thought would have been a really, quite a flex if Martin Slumbers and Aaron they had done this, but because of live and the noise about money and golf just now, and because of the cost of living crisis that we've got here, certainly in the UK, fans struggling to, to make ends meet, fans in a lot of cases not able to now afford the subscription payments to watch the open on pay-per-view TV. Yeah. That are maybe is it on pay-per-view? Pay-per-view over here, yeah. So it's Sky Cause, Sports. Because it used to be on the BBC, right? Not any longer. Okay. So free-to-air broadcast is gone with the exception of some highlights packages. Yeah. If you want to watch it live, you now need to pay for it. But, you know, there'll be fans who are having to make decisions over having that broadcast package because times are tight. And there's part of me that thinks that a really impressive move that the RNA could have made in light of live, in light of cost of living, would have been to say we are freezing prize money this year because as you rightly say the players would still have turned up no yeah. one's going to say oh i'm not coming because you've not given us more money this year it would have been almost a both an integrity move yeah. and a power play do you think that 
if all the majors said we're not going to pay prize money, do you think everybody would still show up? What question? Uh, not all of them. I genuinely think there's some, because we've seen how important money is to a whole bunch of guys, including some guys who don't have major championship victories yet. Yeah. So they are basically taking a gamble that they'll still be able to play in major championships. If they don't, it's fine. We're, we're now set for life and our children and our grandkids are set for life. So we've seen the motivations that some players have. We like to think that every golfer is motivated by major wins. The past six months have demonstrated, for me anyway, that I don't think all of them are. Yeah. More that more are than not. Maybe 90%, but you'll have that 10% element. I think do you they, think differently? I think they all would show up. What, what are you going to go do? You're going to go put... I mean, there's no other events. What would happen is Liv would, would start scheduling events during major weeks. Yeah. Right? And then players would try to get into those, and that would be... I don't know, man. The whole thing is just... It, it's, a, it's a mess, and it's partly a mess because you think about... Um, for us, the NBA, right? The NBA is controlled. The NBA and the NBA, NBA regular season, NBA playoffs are controlled by one organization, the NBA. In golf, you've got the regular <laughs> season. You've got, you've got five organizations, six even, sort of like in, in charge of everything. And that makes things so messy. I mean, think about if six organizations were in charge of basketball or NBA or the NFL or, or the premier league, six different organizations. Yeah. That would be insane. It almost feels like the golf gods have watched game of Thrones and thought there's an idea. Yeah. We should try that. And, and so it just, it makes, I mean, honestly for us, like the content is great. We could talk yeah, about, course. we could talk about this for five hours and not cover half of it, yeah. but for fans and for the sport, in the long term, I don't know how good the last six months have been. Yeah, it's. I think it's been a strange time. The feedback we're getting from our followers, our listeners, our readers is that they just want to see the best players all playing together. Now, <laughs> depending on which way things go, that could feasibly happen four times a year, the four majors, if the only way to see the best of live the best of dp world tour and the best of pga yeah. if they find a way to funnel all those players well, into there it, it also depends. is there a motivation for that i don't think there necessarily is well, after today it also depends on how you define best because all these guys are going to fall out of the top 100 in the world true yeah so if you if you have let's say riviera next year you might have the top 100 players but they might not be the best players in the world yeah which is so again just a stupid like nuance that only golf would invent uh normal sport as you would say totally it to totally there's a by the way there's a falconry out there like there's some guy running a falcon up and well, down the do you know why that is i don't know but it's very normal sport as <laughs> i believe to keep the seagulls away from uh, the golf course okay okay so we we it's funny i don't know if you've seen wimbledon but there's a hawk that flies around yeah. center court oh, is that to why? Keep the, yeah to keep the crows and the seagulls uh, out. okay yeah so there you go. You've, you've learned something new. That's great. I love that. That's fantastic. I can't, uh, uh, I can't let you go, Kyle, because we're running out of time here, but I can't let you go without asking two things. One, what are you expecting to see in terms of a, a storyline emerging over the next few days now that the tournament's, as you listen, underway? And you know this question's coming. Who's going to win? Yeah. So I think my answers are sort of related because I think a storyline is going to end up being... Uh, 
one of the, I think one of the top guys from the PGA Tour, like the guys that have defended the PGA Tour and the European Tour, DP World Tour, whatever we're calling it. Can I still call it the European Tour? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> they're not listening. <laughs> is uh, I think one of the top guys from there, whether it's JT, uh, Spieth, or Rory, is going to contend. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a little bit of this. We can't escape the live stuff. It's gonna it's gonna permeate everything. I think it's going to be a little bit of the like this 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 championship feels so weighty. Like it feels so Im- consequential mm-hmm. and important. And I think one of those guys is going to contend, and that's going to be – we're going to view it as a little bit of this, like, yeah, like, those are our guys. Or, like, as sort of a reward for them, like, fighting against, like, for what we believe is right in the golf world. And then I, I think Spieth is going to win. So, oh, okay. so I, you know, I knew even before I came over here, so I'm walking <laughs> over. He's going to say Spieth. I just know it. But I think, I think Rory winning would actually be the – like romantic storyline. Yeah. Right. I, I think that, I mean, Rory went in the, the 150th open at St. Andrews after a summer, like a, he's had a weird summer of mm-hmm. both contention at majors, but also sort of fighting this fight on the, uh, in the professional golf world. And you don't, nobody deserves anything other than the player who played the best in that week. But if somebody does like deserve a major, it's hard to, you know, not just not just in terms of like what he's done for the sport, but also in terms of how he's been playing. If you look at from January one on, Rory's uh, strokes gain numbers are better than everybody else, better That's than it, Scheffler, yeah. uh, better than Xander, better than JT. He's played the probably the most consistently good golf of anybody, and I think him winning here would just be uh, it would restart this sort of historical conversation about. Wait a second. Is Rory a top twenty player ever? Is he a top fifteen player ever? Uh, because that conversation, when you don't win a major for eight years, kind of dies out a little bit. It does. I, I, I've been saying all week, and I'm becoming more and more strong in my convictions that this is going to be Rory's week. And I don't know if that's a little bit of heart speaking ahead of head, but I don't feel like we've seen the best of Rory round St Andrews. And that's a weird thing to say about a guy that shot sixty three in the first round yeah. in two thousand ten, but. The way the weather is at the moment, it doesn't look like there's going to be a bad side of the draw, yeah. certainly in terms of the, the, the crazy differences from morning to afternoon that right. we've seen previously. And yeah, all the reasons you said about the, the him being the standard bearer, if you like, for what's good in the game, you know, the, the, the fighting the good fight on behalf right, of us all. Right. So yeah, I, I feel like this is a good opportunity for him. Obviously, 2015, he'll have his own redemption story he'll yeah. want to write after you know, injuring himself playing football or soccer. Yeah, you know, I so. talked to him about that a little bit uh, last week, and we were talking about, I said, I said this, this open feels like it's consequential, right? Like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he immediately went to the fact that, like the reason it feels consequential for him is because he's playing great golf, which I, I sort of expected him to take the bigger picture, like look at the context of everything, which he normally is great at. But I, I was kind of like, fired up that he ran to like yeah it's consequential because i want to win the open and i'm playing as well as i've played in whatever four or five years and i thought that was i thought that was pretty interesting it's not something that he would normally do but i i thought it spoke a lot to kind of the confidence that he has in his game right now bit of tunnel vision that he's maybe lacked into recent majors where he's had too many external distractions going on and yeah he's telling us about the latest deep powerful books that he's been reading right. to try and which I love, something. but it's great content but, but is it good for him right i i don't 
who knows? It, it could. I, I think some of it is, but it was exciting to hear him run straight to. Yeah, it's consequential because I want to win the open, and I'm playing as well as I've played in years. Have we considered the prospect of Patrick Reed walking up 18 on Sunday <laughs> with a six-shot lead? And a live golf hat on. <laughs> he's wearing a live golf. He's got three live golf three logos. Live logos. One on his hat, one on his collar, and one on his sleeve. That's unbelievable. I took a picture of Lee Westwood today with his Majestics uh, logo on his sleeve. It's, it's, this is crazy. Strangest of strange times, it is, isn't it? You're at, I mean, whatever. Like... It just comes off like so. Uh, I don't even know what the right word is. Like to wear a live golf logo at St Andrews for the Open. Like, are you being are you being paid to wear that by live? Maybe you are. Maybe he has to. Maybe that's part of the condition. But if he's just choosing to wear that, it's mm-hmm. that's so like. It just I don't know. It, it's it's a very Patrick Reed thing. It feels do. very on brand. Yeah, very on brand. But look. Let's. I'm not going to say let's hope that doesn't happen because I don't wish ill for any player out yeah. there. They've all earned yeah. the right to be here, but yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, look, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. It's great to, to see you over here in Scotland. I'm glad to hear that it's living up to expectations for you. And look, here's to a great 150th Open Championship. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully we get to do this next year again at Augusta. Yeah, look forward to it. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of the Open Commute in association with Callaway. Until then, enjoy the golf.